Have you ever had one of those moments in life where something happened and it just kind of made you question everything? You know, just stopped and had to kind of reassess and, and figure things out again. I had one of those the other night. Uh, we were at the Olive Garden, right? And uh, we're there just enjoying a nice meal because we, we've already had COVID, so we're just in that zone where you know we feel somewhat safe, and so we're enjoying the meal. And the the waitress comes over, right? And uh, you know, like they do whenever you order your food at the Olive Garden, they bring the food out. The waitress comes out with that cheese grinder, where they just and they they ask you, you know, would you like cheese? And I always think like, hey, yeah, of course. This is why you come to the Olive Garden to get the extra cheese. Like, like uh, yeah, like just keep going. I, I I always feel like there's at least a ten second wait before I even speak after they begin to to get the cheese. Like if you went to Five Guys and they said, hey, would you like an extra burger? You'd be like, yeah, it's free. Put it on there. Like you just, you go to the Olive Garden for, for cheese. And so uh, the waitress came and she asked that question, would you like cheese? And I, I was about to, I was about to make a joke. Like, has anyone ever even said no to that? Like, has anybody ever said no in all of your years of waiting tables? And, and then just quietly across the table, I hear, no, thank you. And I look over at my wife, and, and I'm thinking, well, my hearing's bad, so maybe, maybe she didn't, maybe hers is bad, and maybe she didn't hear, uh, well, honey, she, she, the waitress was asking about the cheese, like the extra cheese, and, and she was like, no, thank you. And I looked at her, and I was like, I don't even know who this person is. And I spent the whole meal just deeply concerned about who this person, and why would they not want the extra cheese? You can take it in a to-go box afterwards. This is, like, this is, when they brought the checkout with the Andes mints, I watched, because if she didn't eat one of those mints, I was calling a counselor. Like, she needed help, I'll tell you what. It's, it's funny, because for me, like, if it's there and you can take it, why not, right? Like, why not take advantage of it if it's something that's for you? And this, like, when we've been talking about this pause series as we've like looked at this idea of rhythm, uh, of rest, where we weekly stop and just kind of slow down, I look at it like, this is for you. This is the Olive Garden waitress standing there saying, do you want some more rest in your life? They're like, yeah, why, why wouldn't I? Sure, I, w- I would love more rest. And I want you to have that mentality because to me, foundationally, that's part of what this is, even though even there's another aspect which we're gonna come around to, to at the very end this, this morning. But I want you to have that mentality of this is, when, when God talks about this idea of the Sabbath and the rest, he, he's not doing this as some boss who's demanding you to work overtime. He's saying this is for your betterment. This is how I designed you to be. I'm the maker. This is your manual. You operate well when you rest. We've talked about this already for two weeks. Uh, It's a five-week series, which it's funny because typically we're we're more in the four-week series kind of lengths. But I looked at this one, and I was like, five, it just seems better for this one. As we looked at it, we talked about all the different angles. Five was where we landed. So, so if you're the person who's really busy and can't wait till we move on, um, yeah, I'm sorry. We're sticking with it next week. There's something about this that I want you to see. I want you to experience. I want us to go back again. Again, a part of our, our kind of slogan has been that we're looking at ancient solutions to modern problems. I don't think everyone or any one of us can really argue that we live in a society that's overworked and exhausted. Even though we spent most of the year working from home, we still live in a society that's overworked and exhausted. 
I think there's ancient solutions to a modern problem. Let's check it out. We're going we're to look in Deuteronomy chapter 5, and, and, and we'll start there in verse 12. This is in the Ten Commandments, and, and he deals with this uh, pretty extensively in the list of the things that God desires. It says, observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter nor your male or female servant nor your ox, your donkey or any of the animals nor any foreigner residing in your towns so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Let's pray. Our Father God, and I ask that you would bring wisdom to us this morning. We want to be wise people. Lord, I pray that that wisdom would overflow into our lives, that we are people who put this into practice. And we see firsthand, we experience firsthand why you've orchestrated life to operate best this way. Lord, that we, we understand it because we've put it into practice and we've seen the beauty and we've seen the benefits and we've seen the fruits. Um, Father God, I pray that this morning this text becomes real in our life. In your son's name we pray, amen. You ever gotten just startled to wake in the middle of the night and, and so you're getting out of bed and maybe, maybe you gotta use the restroom or maybe you, you heard a noise and you gotta go check it out or you know, the alarm went off or whatever and you, you woke up and your eyesight's not really the best and it's dark in the room and, and so you're walking around the room and, and what do you do every single time? You put your hands out, right? Because it's better that your hand hits a wall than your face. Better your hand hits a wall than you stub your toe, which is inevitably gonna happen no matter what. If you wake up in the middle of the night, that's a guarantee. But you put your hand out and you kind of you walk slow and you're kind of feeling your way around until you get to a wall. And then all of a sudden, that wall becomes your reference point. And you understand where to go because you've made a connection with something you're familiar with. There's something that you're used to. And so now you can say, ah, okay, this is where I need to go. So then this is here. It, it, you've gotten your reference down and now you can understand where to go. And, and to me, when we look at the Sabbath I, and what God teaches us through that commandment, what God has done is he's, he's orchestrated this sort of weekly reference point for us. That through the week, every one of us sort of gets discombobulated. We get disoriented. We, we, we have this, you know, midweek shutdown or maybe something goes wrong or we just, we just kind of have this this time where we, we fall away from what we're supposed to be. And it's really like our eyes are closed, we're walking in the dark, and God says, no, 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 I need you to rest. I need you to have this rhythm, because when you have this rhythm, it's like you've touched the wall. It's like you remind yourself of where you are. See, when God gives the command to the nation of Israel, that's the framework that he gives it in. He compares it, he compares it to, he says every, every Sabbath is really to be this remembrance of a time in Egypt. A time when the people of Israel had been enslaved and were, were forced to work around the clock without any break, this slave labor, this just cycle after cycle without any break of you just keep working and keep toiling and God says, I rescued you out of that. And that then serves as your reference point. That you would stop and pause and say, that's right. That's who God was. 
I was loved by him. I was cared for by him. He's rescued me out of a situation. He never wants me to experience it again. And so what the Sabbath then became for the nation of Israel was sort of this mini reenactment of what God did for Israel and Egypt. That once a week they'd say, hey, remember the time that God did that? We do that right now for our work. We do that right now for our toil. We are freed out of it, and we reflect back upon it. Like, have you ever driven past Gettysburg where they have the, the reenactments, and they're out there, and they're, they're just, I, I always wonder about that. Like, when you get shot, like, who determines that you got pretend shot? Because I feel like I would be like, oh, you missed. Like, you, you guys are horrible. You, everybody, like, everybody keeps falling over here. I don't understand. You kept missing. And I would be the last one standing at every battle because I just wouldn't reenact well. I would cheat. <laughs> Look, they're, they're reenacting. They're replaying it as it happened. What God says to Israel is that this, the Sabbath, is your weekly reenactment, that I have freed you from slavery. And for the church, is this idea that, that we have been freed from sin and from the penalty of sin, and we get to enjoy him, that we reenact the liberation that God has brought us really it's a remembrance of his greatest act of deliverance that we have been loved and we reflect on it in a way that is this sort of reference point where if 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 they forgot it if Israel forgot it they would essentially have forgotten something about who they were they would have forgotten part of their identity they would have forgotten part of their their purpose in life and so to remember to remember what God had done to remember who he was, to remember his actions, was also to find themselves. It was his means of stopping and saying, wait, 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 what is life all about? What has happened? Who is God? And therefore, as I determine that, I find also who I am. As they remembered who God was, they would also find themselves. Otherwise, they may be lost. Otherwise, we may lose our way. I think this is so important for us today because I think it's easy to lose your way. I think it's easy to get distracted, to get sidetracked, to get beaten down, to get just depressed from what's going on in the world. Look, you don't have to read the news very long before you get down. And so some of us just need that reference. Like, where, where is that wall? Where is what I know to be solid? Where is what I know to be certain so that I might rely on that? And as I find that, I find me. I find who I am, I find who God has created me to be. And what's fascinating about this command is God says, I want you to stop, I want you to pause, and I want you to reflect. You know what he's saying is that he's saying, I want you to remember what I've done. And as we remember what he's done, he's then also requiring us to remember who we are. As we remember his action of deliverance and his action of sacrifice to bring us out and rescue us, then we by default remember who we are, that we're worth being delivered. We're worth being rescued in his eyes, that he cares about us and he values us, and this is our reference. The world may tell us we're nothing, but God says you're everything. And on a weekly pause to come back to the reality where God has stretched out, as it says in Deuteronomy, stretched out his mighty arm to save. I remember that to God, I'm worth saving. So I find out not just who he is, but I find out who I am. 
Do you understand how valuable this is for you? To once a week pause and say, despite my loneliness, despite my exhaustion, and despite my fatigue, his hand reaches out to me. I mean, when the kids are crazy and I just need a break, his hand is reaching out to you. When the, when the deadline is here, but the time to complete the project isn't, his hand is reaching out to you. When other people make assumptions about your character and judgments, his hand is reaching out to you. And once a week to just reach out and say, God, I feel where you're at. And as I know where you're at, and as I know what you've done, I know more about who I am. And despite what this world and what Satan tries to trick me into believing, I see myself and I find my way accurately. And so that's not just that the pause becomes this reference point for us, but the pause also then by default becomes a refuge for us. I want you to look at it in Psalm 62 because David just plays this out beautifully. We see the whole thing. We see, we see sort of what he knows theoretically about God and then we see sort of the despair as he's lost his way and he's lost that reference and then we see him come back to it as, as he, he makes connection with that frame of reference. Psalm 62 and verse one, truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. Truly he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. Now, now here's sort of the dark. Here's sort of that weak without the rest. He says, how long will you assault me to the people who are around him? Would, you all, would all of you throw me down this leaning wall, this tottering fence? Surely they intend to topple me from my lofty place. They take delight in my lies. They take delight in lies. With their mouths they bless, but in their hearts they curse. And then he reaches out. Yes, my soul find rest in God. My hope comes from him. Truly he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my rock, my refuge. Trust in him at all times, you people. This is him saying, this is my reference. This is my experience. This was me and I needed this and I paused and I saw who God was and it connected with, with understanding who I am. And then he says, this is you. That you would do likewise, that you would trust in him, that you would pour out your hearts to him for God is our refuge. This is what the rhythm is supposed to be this time where you stop and say, oh yeah, this is what life is. He is who he is. He's done what he's done. And that must mean something about me. It must mean that I'm special to him. Three reflections that I hope we have in this rhythm of rest. When you pause, three things that I want you to reflect on and just want to kind of work down through them. Um, the first is a reflection that we would reflect upon that which isn't good. That as we, as we gain that understanding, we, we understand where we are, we see things again, that we would see that which isn't good. Well, what do we mean by that? Well, let's go back to the time of Jesus where there was a pool in Jerusalem where they believed that, that whoever could get into this pool when the water was stirred, whoever got into it first, would be healed of any sort of disability, any sort of injury, any sort of lameness. Whoever could get in first would be healed was the tradition. And, and so they would, they would line up around it, and then they would try to be the first one in. And Jesus walks by, and there's been one man in particular who for 38 years has tried to be the first one in and has never been in. For 38 long years. 
His life has been difficult and hard. And Jesus sees him, and he comes up to him, and he says simply, rise, take up your mat, and go. The man is able to do exactly what Jesus does. It's this beautiful miracle. And it seems like everything should be good, and every should, everything should be, be great. But the problem is that the miracle happened on a Sabbath. And so that creates controversy where everybody's like, you can't heal on the Sabbath. We'll actually talk about this a little bit more next week, but there's a point here that I, I, I don't want us to, to miss that, that Jesus, when he comes upon the man later, he says something to him that I think is so incredibly profound and I think is important for us to reflect on as we consider what this idea of, of the, the Sabbath as this reflection, as this reference point. And Jesus says this to him when he sees him later in, in John 14, 5, 14. He says, later Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, see, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that, that it was Jesus who made him well. I love that phrase. See, you are well again. See, you are well again. And I think what's happening here and is, in, is sort of this symbolic idea that Jesus says, this is what the Sabbath is about, that you've become well, that you have been as you are. To me, the Sabbath in a, in a nutshell is sort of you becoming well. It's that which is wrong with you being repaired, being, being reconditioned. It's about you being as you should be. But Jesus warns the man, does he not? Jesus warns the man. He says, he says that, that you are well, see that you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. In other words, in other words, be careful about something. So the Sabbath that, that Jesus has done this is you've been made well. Now be careful because if you go back and you live carelessly, you'll experience the natural consequences of sin and the result will be worse than when you started. It's a fascinating statement where, where Jesus is saying, look, you've been repaired, don't tarnish. Don't introduce yourself back into an environment that, that is the opposite of good. Don't, he's saying to this man, your physical malady is, is bad, but look, there might be a spiritual result that's far worse. So be wise about that which has effects on you in life and how it affects you. So there's a part of the Sabbath where we should say, I've been made well through this rest. As I've reached out and I've seen who God is and I've reminded myself of who I am and God has worked in me. There's something about the, God just loves to work in us while we rest. I, I believe that. I believe he just loves to work in us while we rest, that we grow when we rest. I, I, I say that more because I've just experienced that dramatically over the past three months, that when I slow down, I realize how God just shapes me and he grows me. Seven different times the miracles happen on a Sabbath in the scripture. Well, I think God just loves to work when we rest. But Jesus is saying, look, don't, don't be confused. Don't think that this means that you're indestructible, that you can go about life however you want. Take care. Take caution. A couple weeks ago, uh, I went duck hunting down uh, along the the, the beach in, the, in Maryland, we're down at the bay, and uh, I love to go to all these beach places in the winter because nobody's there, and that's that, like, I don't like, wherever the crowds are, I'd rather be somewhere else other than a church. Jesus gets crowd, nowhere else. Hershey Park, when it rains, that's when we go. So we're at this, uh, we're, we're pulling into this hotel, and there's like nobody in this like 400 room hotel, nobody but us, and, and uh, we come around the corner, and the parking lot is packed and I'm like, well, that's weird. 
It's not packed with cars, it's packed with boats. See, in the wintertime, what they do is they pull all the boats out of the ocean. Nobody's using them. And they put them in the, the parking spots, and, and then they're, they're taken one by one to be repaired. And they're worked on in, in the season that's most difficult, most uh, you know, tarnishing to a boat. They pull it out, and they, they repair it. And, and it would be utterly foolish to get your repaired boat and say, I'm going to take it out when the next storm comes, and I'm going to drive it around by the rocky shores. Why? Because you've just had it repaired. Jesus says this, man, you're well. You're well. Don't go put yourself in an environment that is corrosive, that is, that, that is an environment that is a contaminant to what has been done. Be wise about this. And so, see, see sin is always an interruption to wellness, always an interruption to wellness. It's an offense to God. It's something that God doesn't desire. And the, the results of that naturally are that it's an interruption to wellness. And so to rest and become well again and then go back into a lifestyle that's somewhat reckless and, and unwell doesn't make sense. And there's a contradiction there. And so the first reflection is really to stop and say, what isn't good? As I think about my life, what is that which is the environment which corrodes? And to say, that's not what I want. That's not who God made me to be. I have pause to reconnect. As I reconnect and I find that reference, I touch that wall, I understand, oh yes, that's actually toxic for me. And I shouldn't live there. So the first reflection is that which isn't good. The second reflection is that which is good. Reflect on that which is good. Just what God has made that's good. We learn this from Genesis 1 where God gets done creating and he just stops on the day of rest and he says, it's good. It's like when you mow your lawn or, or, or when you cook a nice meal and you just sit down and you take a minute and you say, it's good. There's something godly about that. Not, not the prideful of look at how incredible I am, but just that's good. We had a, a memorial service the other day for Stan Moyes, a great man, I love him. It was good. As a staff team, we talked about it afterwards. It just was honoring to him. It was good. There's something about just stopping to reflect. We've quoted Tim Keller a lot in the sermon series, not because he's like this superhero guy, he's an incredible, he's just really good at this, at talking about this, this idea of rest and, and Sabbath and, and how God designed us, and he's done a lot of study on it. And so I want to quote from him again here. He says, he says, take some aesthetic time. The Genesis account indicates that God rested from his work at least partly in order to enjoy his creation. Throughout Genesis 1 and 2, we see God viewing all that he has made by saying, it's good, it's good. We also need to take time to simply enjoy the beauty of God's world. The main thing to do with beautiful landscapes or, or great music or some other form of arts is to take it and say, that is so good. This refreshes and energizes in unique ways that the other forms of resting do not. There's something about this that he says, this is good. And it's resting. And this rhythm of rest to stop and say, this is good. This painting, this music, this, this coffee, wh whatever it is, it's good. I did it with a Chick-fil-A sandwich the other day. <laughs> and I had a really in-depth theological thought come into my mind. I thought, I bet Chick-fil-A will be open on Sundays in heaven. <laughs> I bet it will. There will be no driving up and saying, ah, it's Sunday. Not in heaven. We're going to be able to eat there any day. I love it. But look, there's something about you that God designed to just stop and say, it's good. It's good. 
And it reminds you deep down that it's good because there's a God who created this world to be good. And while the corrosive part of life exists, there's still good and there's beauty and there's something about reflecting on it that's part of how God made us. But the third reflection is this, the reflection upon that which, or upon how God was specifically good to you. And I would love for you to just give up 10 minutes of social media and do this one. Like, please, if you never do anything else that I ask you to do, if this is the only thing that you ever do, just, just find 10 minutes on a rhythm of rest, whatever that day is for you. Find, find that time and say, I just want to stop and think for 10 minutes how God has been good to me. And it may be some specific thing. It may be some little way. Maybe how he provided. It may be how he, he brought people into your life. It may be you know, how from a child he's seen you through and he's kept your faith. And it, it, it may be just through the blessings of your family. Or, I don't know, but just, just stop and reflect. That's, that's what Deuteronomy is saying. is saying that God was good to you. Remember Egypt? Remember, remember how you were toiling? Remember how you didn't even think to stop and pray, but God just heard your, your groaning and your uttering as if it was this prayer? Like God saw the heaviness on your heart and he took that as a prayer from you? He was good to you. Stop and think about how God has become good to you. That Jesus became a man that Jesus died on the cross. And even better, he rose from the grave, that he forgives sins. Just stop and reflect that you can live after you die entirely because of him. And you know what it'll be like? It'll be like, it'll be like the warmth of a fire for when you're cold. A couple years ago, I was up in a friend of mine's cabin. We went up to northern Pennsylvania, Tioga County, and um, we, we kind of foolishly said, well, it's 20 degrees here. It probably won't be much colder there. <laughs> well, the three-hour journey to get there made it get darker, and then the travel up to the top of the mountain got you know, cooler, and so we get there, and, and the, the truck thermometer says minus one. And so we're going into this cabin with a wood stove, minus one degrees, and, and so we're sitting in the truck, and we're like, <coughs> I wonder... Like maybe because the cabin is insulated, maybe it'll be warmer, warmer, and it won't be as bad as minus one. Well, we were right, thankfully, because we went in, and the thermometer in the cabin said zero. <laughs> so the insulation had done something. And so we started this fire, but you can imagine this cabin, is, it's not going to warm up instantly. I mean, it took five hours to get to the point where it was 50 degrees. And so we're just sitting by the fire. Just, just letting the warmth of it just slowly move away the cold. When you remember how God was good to you, it moves away the cold of other people's judgments. It moves away the cold of the disappointments that you face in life. It moves away the cold of despair. It moves the cold uh, of the fear of what will happen in life. It, it moves the, the cold of what's going on in the world. It just moves it away. Because cold can't exist next to heat. And the warmth of God's fire through his love as you stop and reflect is incredibly powerful. And my goodness, you need to find that wall. You need it. Once a week, you need it to just stop and say, God, you're warm. And this is where I find my warmth. Because honestly, some of us have just been cold for far too long. 
It's like the husband who thinks he's going to save four bucks by turning the thermostat down 10 degrees and you just get used to living that way. That's not how it's supposed to be in God's world. Don't get used to the cold. Pause and find a reference as you reflect on the the way that God has been good to you. Because what good is the peace of God if you don't stop and draw near to it? What good is his comfort if you don't stop the busyness and the routine to appreciate it? What good is his love if you don't enjoy it? The Sabbath, by the way, this really is, as I would call, an act of responsive love. That's what the Sabbath is. It's an act of a responsive love. It's as if, as if God has come up with you in an embrace, and, and your side of it, your embrace, is to, to reflect on it in the Sabbath. That's the other half of the hug. Because when God commands the Sabbath, he says something that we tend to miss. He says that you would honor the Sabbath to the Lord. Not to yourself. Yes, this will benefit you. This will, this will make your life absolutely better. I firmly believe that. But, but this isn't really even about you. That's just a byproduct of the fact that God has embraced you. And this reflection is your half of the embrace. Because God has been good to you. Let's pray. Our creator, we as your creation live as if we know better. But the truth is that you know best. And so Father, I pray that we would, we would make the incredible sacrifice to bring our schedule in front of you, to bring our calendar in front of you. Say, this is yours. Where would you like me to rest? so that we would take time to reflect upon that which isn't good, that which is good, and and the ways that you have been good to us. Because, Lord, we stumble around this world in darkness, and we need to figure out where we are. Because when we figure out where we are, we see who you are. We see who you are, we see who we are. Jesus, we ask this in your son's name. Amen.